Good Friday, everyone. On this podcast, we regularly take questions about how the early church did things, and then we ask what practices we read about in our Bibles are directly transferable to our local churches today. And within that category, uh, I think would fit today's email from a listener named Robbie in Kentucky. Pastor John, hello to you. In 1 Timothy 2.8, we read that Paul exhorted men to pray in church while lifting up holy hands. Uh, What's the connection between lifted hands and holiness? And what about lifted hands and prayer? Is this practice culturally dated, or is it a relevant one we should adopt today in our corporate church gatherings? The text, uh, namely 1 Timothy 2.8, says, I desire then that in every place the men, and the word is men, not just persons, it's males, should pray, lifting holy hands, without anger or quarreling. And then Paul continues, interestingly, in verse 9, without a break, and shifts from men to women and says, Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. And I think it's relevant for understanding the word to men to realize that it's paired with a word to women. It's, it's relevant because it relates to the question whether Paul is addressing merely a peculiar problem at Ephesus or whether he's speaking more generally in a way that all of us should sit up and take notice, even in the 21st century, because it relates to our situation as well, male and female. Now, we might be tempted to think that Paul is focused here mainly on the situation at Ephesus because when he says that anger and quarreling should be put away, that triggers in our minds another text in 1 Timothy, namely chapter 6, verse 4, where he says there's a group of people in the church who have an, an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce dissension. So we might think, well, that's why here in 1 Timothy 2.8, men are told to pray without anger and without quarreling. It's a peculiar problem at Ephesus. And that may be why Paul put the emphasis here on anger and quarreling. But I don't think he means for us to hear his words as limited to the application for Ephesus. And I, I say that mainly because he says, I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So the words in every place show that he's giving general instructions to men, and that carries over to the instructions to women as well. In every place, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty. So, it seems to me that Paul is putting his finger here on a typical male temptation and a typical female temptation. Mm. In general, men are more given to the temptation of angry, verbal jousting and outbursts of combative quarreling 
And in general, women are more inclined than men to give attention to their appearance when they go out in public. Now, of course, those are generalizations, and there are exceptions for both of them, but Paul seems to be putting his finger on a problem that is more peculiar to men and a problem that's more peculiar to women. He's addressing them both in general, not just because of a peculiar problem at Ephesus. And our question here is about what he says to men as they gather to pray. And what he says is that he wants men in every place to pray, lifting holy hands without anger and quarreling. And the question is, is Paul saying that in all our praying, we should be lifting our hands? I think that's the basic question that I'm being asked. And I think the first thing to say is, because we've seen it already, that the emphasis does not fall on the lifting of hands, but on holiness Hmm. and the renunciation of anger and quarreling. It's significant that when he says he wants men to lift holy hands, that he goes on to underline the holiness, not the hands. Namely, get rid of anger, get rid of quarreling as you come to pray. That's where the emphasis falls. It's, it's as if the lifting of hands is a given. That's just a given. That's what you do in worship. And so what he's telling them is not so much to do what they always do, namely lift your hands. He's saying lift holy hands, lift pure hands. Do it with peace and without quarreling. Now, all of us from time to time speak this way. A teacher in grammar school might say uh, to her students, Now, young people, I want you to always come to class asking questions respectfully. Or a coach might say, I want us to get out on the field and throw completed passes. Now, those are not statements about how often the student should ask questions or how often the quarterback should throw passes. Those are statements about do it respectfully and do it completing passes. That's the way I think Paul is speaking here. The command is not to always lift your hands. Be sure to always lift your hands. It's lift them with holiness. Be free from anger and quarreling. But let me add two other questions. First, why, why did Paul take for granted that it was so common in worship that men should lift their hands? He was just assuming it. Mm-hmm. And surely part of the answer is that the Old Testament refers to this practice often. Nehemiah 8.6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Or Psalm 28.2, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands. Psalm 63, 4. I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So, probably... Paul simply assumed it because that's the way the churches 
worshipped, following the tradition of the Psalms. It seems natural. I think that's why it happens in the Psalms, and that's why it happens today. It seems natural. Mm. If the heart is exulting before God over some great reality of grace, it seems natural that the body would join the Spirit in the exultation. I mean, why wouldn't it? <laughs> we are body and we are soul, and we exult in this glorious reality. And here's my last question. Why wouldn't we lift our hands today? I'm arguing that it's not a command here, but that we lift our hands in holiness when we lift our hands. But I'm asking this question, why wouldn't we lift our hands in worship? And of course, the answers are many, right? It's, it's not the way I was raised. It's not my personality. It's not my culture or my ethnicity. It's not the way our church worships. It would be misunderstood as identifying with a group whose theology is defective. I remember talking with a a leader in another country, and I I said, I spoke at one group in this city, and everybody was raising their hands. I spoke in your group with 5,000 people, and not a hand was raised. What's What's that about? And he just said flat out, because if we did it, we'd be aligned with with the people with the defective theology. Or it would be phony. I I don't want to to just be carried along by my emotions, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of reasons why people don't do what the psalmist says is natural to do. So I would just end with the question, given Paul's assumption that it was so common in the early church, And given the Old Testament exhortations and examples, and given the natural union between body and spirit in true exaltation, is the reason that you don't lift your hands a good reason? Good challenge, considering the cultural hurdles uh, that are at play here. Thank you, Pastor John, and thank you for joining us today. Ask a question of your own, or search our huge archive at askpastorjohn.com. We break for the weekend now and return next week to ask another question about authentic living. Can a true Christian be saved if they never evangelize, never once shared the gospel with an unbeliever, and don't really intend to either? Can such a person be saved? Wow, that's a big question. I'm your host, Tony Reinke, and we will ask Pastor John on Monday. See you then.